0: Hello, people of the void. You're listening to Fairy Tale, Folklore, and Fuckery. This week's country is South Sudan. The only things I really know about South Sudan are from a history project in like junior year of high school. And it wasn't a super positive project, mainly because it was about the human trafficking that went on in South Sudan. So I don't want to start off this video with something super sad and depressing. So we're going to jump right into the really fun facts that I found out about South Sudan. Number one. Their wealth is measured by the number of cattle that each family owns. So it's very common to pay a man in cattle to marry their daughters. So even though that's like very biblical and odd for at least anybody who's in America or probably Great Britain or Canada uh, to think about, it is super common. The second super fun fact uh, is actually kind of sad, but we're still gonna say it anyway. The firstborn child after the independence of South Sudan in 2011 was a boy, and he was given the name Independent. But the child died one year after his birth. Very sad overall, I think. At Independence in 2011, South Sudan's produced nearly three-fourths of former Sudan's total oil output of nearly half a million barrels per day, which is crazy to think about, especially now right as we're going through gas prices, raising and everything. Uh, it's insane to think about and I actually read somewhere that we can't really they can't really sell them because they're not only like a they're a landlocked country I believe so they can't really get them anywhere unlike if Saudi Arabia OPEC Mexico and Canada and all of those uh nations are not landlocked so unfortunately we couldn't get any from it on even if we wanted to finally the third fun fact i learned about them is that they have two huge national parks the first one i'm going to talk about is the boma national park uh which is home to the world's greatest wildlife migrations where an estimated 1.3 million antelope move across the landscape in search of grazing they're also trying to like boost their tourism with that one the second national park is called is Bandigalo National Park in Equatoria region. And it's famous for the second largest animal migration on the entire planet where they go from Serengeti all the way to Northern Tanzania. This park was actually established in 1992 and it holds so many species of animals from antelope to elephants and giraffes. But not only that, but the national park is home to lions, cheetahs, hyenas, and wild dogs so that's pretty interesting facts about south sudan that i've learned and as per usual i always find one super specific project that relates to this country that is always included with fairy tales and folklores and myths and legends so for south sudan when i looked up uh, a project that they have that's going on currently i found a really interesting one and it also involves america so there is a project in pittsburgh called saving stories And this saving stories project goes all across the world, but basically they noticed um, in their young English learners language class that they, most of these kids never were able to read their native language or learn in it. And so they really wanted to express, preserve, and archive native cultures of the refugees for foreign generations. So they worked with the refugee communities around Pittsburgh and they created a huge literary library of books from the refugees all around Pittsburgh. So one of the first two stories that automatically stood out to me were stories from Sudan and the two Dinka folk tales because Sudan is its own country, yes, however the Dinka folktales are from South Sudan because that's where the Dinka people live and if you follow my Twitter uh, at Cohen 7 you'll see that I posted how the Dinka people are the tallest people in the world. There was an NBA player that was seven feet and seven inches tall which is crazy but this was really interesting to me because there was actually uh, a man who wrote this Goes by the name of Gabriel Ajang, e. and I probably messed that up, and I do apologize. However, he wrote the two Dinka folktales, and he is known as one of the lost boys of South Sudan. This is where it kind of gets really sad. More than 20,000 children living in South Sudan lost their families, all because of the wars that went on. These civil wars raged from 1956 all the way to 1972, and then they resumed in 1983 and continued until 2005, which is insane. Also that means that Gabriel left in 1987 and tried to escape, and he was one of 20,000 children living in southern Sudan that left. And tried to escape only four thousand lost boys ended up alive in America which is crazy to think about and it's very depressing but basically he is a hero he is a superhero honestly because he managed to make it all the way through college he found his lovely wife and everything and then when he had his daughter A teacher in his daughter's class asked him to write stories for the Saving Stories project. And he said, although he couldn't call himself a writer, he still decided to do it. And thank God he did, because in 2018, two Dinka folktales were published as a part of the Saving Stories series. And all of these stories, uh, by the way, that they ask other people to tell and to write are all in their native tongue as well as in English. His stories are about a hyena and his friends, the hippo and the lion, and the other one is about a fox and a dog. Both stories have moral lessons of patience, kindness, and being close to one another. He says that that's how we used to learn in the tribal community. He heard these two dinka folktales from his grandma. This animal did this, or this person did that, in a figurative form. It is important to keep those stories, and to do that, I must write them so that my kids learn about it when they read it. It basically blew up, so... Once he wrote these stories, he got invited into classrooms around the Baldwin-Whitehall School District in Pennsylvania to share his background as a lost boy of Sudan, and he truly is the example of opportunity and the path to success through education. In his own words, he says, people suffered, but out of that suffering, still good things would come out of it. That's how I look at my life. And that is why he decided to create books for the Saving Stories Project. This project also, but this entire project is very interesting because they not only highlight different people through the meet your neighbors refugee portraits, but they also do it through each story that they tell. Alrighty, onwards to the fairy tale. So this fairy tale is called The Hyena, the Leopard, and the Lion. Side note, reading this fairy tale, this author decided to use some of the biggest words in the world for this. And it was quite interesting because even I didn't understand some of them. This fairy tale is by Khan Joseph Leek from Juba, South Sudan. And it's kind of about the corruption and rebellion in South Sudan. So once upon a time, there lived these three friendly carnivore animals, hyena, leopard, and lion. They lived near the River Nile. So their drinking place was a very shallow stream that was connected to it. Well, one morning, they decided to get up and try to find food. Obviously, they couldn't because no one was there, but they couldn't even find, like, a mouse, which is crazy because it's still, you know, full of animals. So that night, they came back and they were just deadly silent. All they could do was just yawn and go to bed. Upon reaching that stream where they lived, they found a lot of animals drinking there, most of them being herbivores. And before they could even do anything, Lion decides to jump on them, just roar and scares all the animals away. And all the animals, of course, run in different directions. In the story, it says they scattered like the children of Israel, which I find very interesting because South Sudan is a Muslim country. So it's very interesting that this fairy tale has aspects of Christianity in it. Well, anyways, the three carnivores, hyena, leopard, and lion jumped on four herbivores. The giraffe, a buffalo, a tying, and a cop. I do not know what a cop is. It could mean a copper-headed snake. It could be anything, but it was just known as a cop. I tried to even look it up, guys. I I genuinely did not know what it is. So they drag him back under to this big tree, and the leader asks the hyena and the leopard to do the distribution. And the hyena was like, hell yeah, I got this. So he tells his boss, he says, the king lion will go with the giraffe and the tying added on it. The leopard with the cop and I with the buffalo. The lion decided that this shit was stupid, so the lion jumped him and threw him on to a tree where he, the hyena basically almost died. And then the lion turned to the leopard and said, tell me what the distribution is. And of course, the leopard's like, oh shit, I don't want to die either. So he kind of laughed it off and said, the giraffe should be given to you, King Lion, for your lunch, and the buffalo for your supper. Then the tying for the hyena, and I should go with the cop. And the lion said, that's awesome, thank you very much. Where did you learn that distribution? And the leopard said, I learned it from the hyena. The leopard said, if he did not think twice, he could have been wrestled down like his friend the hyena. The author wrote a little moral of the story at the end, and it says... It's related to how we human beings sometimes behave. It implies that whatever system of governance or administration used by a person of authority, especially in Africa, a key factor that governs his affairs and interests are his interests, whatever the case. The concept of personal interest is used almost to argue for any given policy that whosoever that goes against it is made to rick it off the tree like what happened to the hyena unless you are a family member. He even compares it to Darwinian theory where people who do not promote their own interests will become prey for the ones who do so overall this fairy tale is all about corruption and rebellion and they even have a little graphic for it where they have the politicians sleeping in a hammock of corruption with the government and the rebellion as two trees holding up the hammock and underneath it are the 64 tribes in south Sudan with ignorance and it says south sudan politics be like corruption hurt us all stop backing corrupt people so i think this is a little bit this this might slightly be political here however it's one of the only fairy tales i could find from south sudan so we decided to go with it alrighty so we have a south sudanese fairy tale but first i found a research article from the American International Journal of Contemporary Research about the interpretation of a Sudanese folktale. And I just wanted to read a quick little thing from their theoretical framework, where they describe what a folktale is. So basically, once television came into power, there was no need for the grandmothers of the town to tell their children or their grandchildren's stories, or to gather them up and make sure they understood their culture, because that's what everyone went to a television for, which is quite sad. Alrighty, up for the folktale. So this folktale is called The Story of the Young Man and the Skull. This is by the storyteller Elder in the language Merli with the place being Juba or the capital of South Sudan. And it's actually from 2015. But fun fact, when I was doing a lot of research, I actually found stories from 1965 so it's it's insane what you can document and like what still appears nowadays that's a little shout out to google a long time ago there was a young man who kept cattle so one day he was just walking along taking his cows grazing and he found a skull and it looked gorgeous which i don't understand how a skull can look gorgeous if it's somebody's dead head but sure it's gorgeous so he stood and watched a while and then he said oh my god but why are you killing such beautiful people and then he just kept it on going with his cattle so the next day he came back and asked the skull the same question side note why is this man asking a deadhead questions i don't think i get it yet but here we go so he Asked that question and then the skull replied and he said oh my dear i died because of lies and the man was shook obviously because who's going to expect a skull to reply to you and he runs away so then the third day he comes back and he asks the same question i don't know why it's not a different one but it isn't so it's the same question and the skull responds the exact same way like he did on that second day so then the guy runs all the way back to his village and tells the story to his chief and the soldiers of course no one believes him because it's a stinking skull but the young man insisted and he even said if you think it's a lie come with me and witness it for yourselves and the chief was like but what if it is a lie what do you want us to do and the guy said kill me i like why are you offering up your life when it's a talking skull i i still don't logically it never made sense to me but anyways so he does and the chief and his soldiers follow him out to where the skull is and then he asked the skull the same questions he asked day one and day two and the skull didn't reply so the chief and his soldiers were like oh oh actually sorry the chief wasn't there but the soldiers were and the soldiers said oh well he didn't reply so you're you told us to kill you so now we're gonna have to kill you And so they did and then they as they went back to the village they suddenly heard a voice saying this is what I told you young man and now you have also died as I died and the soldiers heard this and were like actually we're not gonna tell the chief we just killed an innocent man so they went back to the chief and they said the man has lied to us all and we have killed him as you agreed and told us to do I'm just confused as to why someone would just talk to a skull However, this is a folk tale, so of course there has to be a lesson learned. But I guess the truth will always come out. But if the truth prevailed, then what's gonna happen to the soldiers? Are they gonna are they gonna kill themselves or is the king gonna kill them? Because technically the truth didn't prevail with that. But that was the tale of the young man in the skull. Side so note, this website, the South Sudanese folktales.org, is full of folktales and it's amazing to see because you can like submit a folktale you can even look up the projects from where exactly folktales were collected in south sudan and of course there's project tabs and even a google map to see where all of these tales came from in south sudan which is fascinating i really love how this website is set up and i highly suggest you go check it out and finally it's our fucked up story so this story has a little bit of a Halloween feel because it's called the pumpkin is for me and you so once upon a time there was a man named Jack and his wife and Jack's wife was a woman who does not cooperate with others Uh, and she absolutely does not like many people but she also has a large number of children to take care of so I'm thinking probably around like eight to ten so her husband Jack works a ton And through his work, he also gets a lot of food. So whenever he comes home, he always has a ton of food to give to his family. And Jack's wife always puts some aside for her in her little stash and always gives the rest to the kids. Well, all the neighboring women in that community knew that Jack had a ton of food. And whenever the woman needed assistance, she picks up her pumpkin container, which is called a calabash in Arabic. So they always pick up their calabash and go to Jack's house but Jack's wife is like "Ew, I don't like you I don't want to give you my food and then she sends them away she doesn't respect this tradition of holding the pumpkin container which is very sad so life goes on and unfortunately Jack becomes severely ill and he eventually dies and because everybody knew that Jack was a good man they all attended his funeral in consolidation and after that his wife just returned home with the kids Well, of course, because no one's coming home with more food and because that stash is dwindling and she has so many kids, she has to feed them all, she runs out of food. Very unfortunate. She doesn't know where to get any more food and she, like, everybody knows in the town, she really doesn't like anybody. She doesn't like cooperating. So, unfortunately, because she won't just go ask for some help from anyone in town, her and her children begin to starve. And because of this, her kids scream all the time from the house and everyone in the village can hear them. And they're always wondering what's going on in that house. What's going on? Personally, I thought it would because they would be chained up and, you know, murdered or cannibalized. Uh, That's not exactly where the story goes. The community elders all gathered and tried to figure out what was going on in his house But they couldn't so finally they all just went to her and was like what is going on and she was like we have no more food and the community elders were like well did you get your pumpkin basket and go around and ask anybody and she said no because i don't like to and the community elder responded the pumpkin is for you me and everyone we need each other and therefore we should cooperate amongst ourselves and that's the end of the story all in all it's kind of it's kind of a sad story because she ends up starving herself and her children because she can't just sorry she refuses to ask for help from anybody but at the same time she wasn't even work like I don't even think in Sassan women can work so you know she couldn't even go get a job if she wanted to if you're wondering what this pumpkin basket looked like it was It was genuinely just a straw basket with like squash and gourds and pumpkins, of course, in it. I thought it was like a little pumpkin like you would get at Halloween, but no, it's just a regular old basket. So that last story was kind of messed up, but there we have it. So these stories are kind of short. However, if you do want to know more, all the sources and links will be down in the description below. And of course, if you want to see any adorable reels or amazing posts, you can always go to my Instagram at Fairy tale Folklore and Fuckery and find out what country is up next week. Although I never truly know until like Sunday. But it's still still fun time over there. And you can always head over to my Twitter uh, at Abby Cohen. A B I Cohen. Tune in next week for a story I won't even know about until Sunday.